Welcome to the Making Waves at Sea Level podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we will explore the interesting stories of business executives, entrepreneurs, and industry leaders who are shaking things up and growing their companies. It is time to make some waves. Now, here's your host, Tom Singer. Hey, hey, and welcome to another episode of Making Waves at Sea Level, the podcast formerly known as Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Made some changes with the podcast this July. It's been a lot of fun. We've, we've picked up a whole bunch of new listeners. So if you're a new member of the Making Waves family, thank you so much. Uh, I still haven't changed the Facebook. Uh, probably by the time this airs, I'll get around to it. But its Facebook page is still called Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Uh, it's going to switch over to Making Waves at Sea Level. Please make sure that you've joined there. If you have any questions uh, for me or for any of the guests, I can always pass them along. So use that as a great communication tool. Uh, also, there is a Twitter account at, at cool podcast and uh, I it's now the name has been changed but I'm keeping the handle at cool podcast because let's face it this podcast by any other name is still cool so today I want to talk about businesses saving money and I have a friend who that's what he does for a living and it took me a long time to sort of figure out what he does and, and why his company exists but when you look at the amount of money that organizations spend and if you're an executive in a company you're spending a lot of money. If you're the CFO, you know you're spending a lot of money. Uh, and there are some ways that you can continue to have the same products and services that you have and pay less. And the more I've learned about this, the more I'm like, why do people pay more? Uh, so I wanted to invite Lance Spracklin from Schooly Mitchell to come on Making Waves at Sea Level and talk about how he and his company they make waves to help you save cash. And uh, in the world we're in, probably every company should listen to this because uh, there's some things you can probably do without them. There's a lot of things you can do with them. They're kind of thorough. So, hey, Lance, welcome to Making Waves at Sea Level. Thank you, Tom. It's great to talk with you again. No, I'm and, glad to uh, have you. As Tom suggested, uh, I have the responsibility of helping businesses save money. And... Uh, in fact, we do that on a contingency basis. So it actually does not cost these companies anything to work with us. We find a way to get ourselves paid out of this found money that we create for them. I don't think I even understood that part of it. Wait a minute. You mean companies can work with you? And if you don't save them money, they don't pay you. But if you do save them money, the money comes out of that savings. Why would any company say no? That's a great question, Tom. Um, you know, a lot of times uh, CFOs are all very busy and sometimes they already have people on staff who do what we do and it just doesn't make sense for them to have to shift their roles to something else or, you know, possibly terminate their employment with them. And that's never anything I uh, support and uh, I always try to find a way to work with them. There are specific areas that we focus on. And so for those CFOs, I like to tell them that take those people that are on staff to do what we're doing and have them focus on other cost reduction areas and let us as the experts in those areas that, that we know focus on that. 
So Lance, I don't read like huge bios of companies when people come on the show. I know that there are PR people who cry every time they listen to this program because I don't read the PR statements. But can you tell us a little bit about the, the who Schooly Mitchell is as a company, how you got involved, what your role is? Sure. Yeah. So Schooly Mitchell is a franchise business and they started out in 1980 as an accounting firm. They figured out how to decrease their own phone bills and all of their accounting clients asked them to do the same. And soon enough, that became their primary form of business. And Schooly Mitchell started franchising in 2001. And over those years, expanded into other areas outside of telecom with merchant services, shipping, and now waste disposal. And uh, we now have over 300 offices all across North America. Uh, combined, we represent over 22,000 businesses. And I run the office for all of Central Texas. So how long ago did, did you uh, either start or take over the Austin office? So I've been in this just over three years. And prior to this, I was doing much of the same thing for the big high tech companies at more of an enterprise level. So what's your background? I know that you didn't start off, you know, helping people procure better savings uh, with things. What, what did you do originally when you were early in your career? What, what did young Lance do for a living? So I was always good with technology and um, I pursued uh, several engineering degrees and uh, got a master's degree in systems engineering. And part of that uh, education and the training I went through was in process improvements. And I'm also a Lean Six Sigma master black belt. And uh, I have, you know, a handful of other certifications on top of that. And what I did for 16 years for these tech companies was help them build continuous improvement programs. And I managed black belt projects at the executive level and worked with the executives, the directors to optimize, streamline processes and remove what we call waste from their operations. So that's kind of an, an interesting background. I assume most of the franchisees aren't uh, Six Sigma black belt certified. So that, to me, totally fits into what you do because it shows that this is what your whole brain is about, right? You're all about finding ways to, to be efficient. Yeah, that's a big part of it. And uh, the last few tech companies I worked for, I was managing black belt projects that were involved with designing telecom systems. And so through that work, I gained a large amount of engineering expertise in telecom design. And uh, I have uh, very quickly within Schooly Mitchell, even though I've only been in this for over three years, uh, a lot of the folks there come to me for my telecom expertise. So telecom is kind of how, how Schooly Mitchell, you know, got started. It's a lot of your background. And it, it's fascinating to me that over the years, just sort of how the telecom companies, you know, charged and there were added fees and, and sort of all this different stuff. Um, let's talk a little bit about about that. So how are some of the things that you guys do to save them money on on telecom? And then I want to talk a little bit about a special program you have in, in the education market. Yeah, great. Uh, so one of the things that we do for our clients uh, after we save them money, we are auditing those bills every single month. 
or making sure that these companies are not starting to jack up their rates or they throw in extra fees that have no business being there. And we call ourselves the vendor watchdogs because we're looking out for these things and uh, we know when to expect them. And, you know, take someone like AT&T as an example. Uh, we have you know, several of their customers are our clients. Several thousand of their customers are our clients. And so we have some better negotiating clout with them. And uh, when we have a handful of customers start reporting these fees, or hopefully we see that first on their bills, uh, we can work at a higher, usually tip, typically with executives at companies like AT&T to investigate those things and have those errors corrected. So these are things, I mean, I know you don't work with individuals, but these are things that when it comes to telecom, all of us should really be looking at our, our telecom bills, right? Because they do, they, they have a pesky way of sneaking things in. Isn't, isn't that true? Yeah, that is. And uh, what a lot of uh, consumers don't understand is there is actually a lot of protection from the Federal Trade Commission that, and from the FCC that uh, pre prevents the telecom companies from taking advantage of you. Uh, what a lot of people and, don't. And yet they do. Yeah, and they do because, I mean, there's not a huge ad campaign to educate the public on what their rights are when it comes to their uh uh, fees and bills from the telecom companies and uh, probably the best advice I could give everyone there is if you see any fee or rate change structures on your bills you have 30 days to file a complaint and um, if you don't file a complaint during that time uh, you really have no recourse after that if you do file a complaint and they don't want to uh, change those rate fee structures back to what they were, you have the option to terminate that agreement without you owing them any money. So uh, just just keep that in mind. So you guys are pretty thorough. You don't just walk in and just say, hey, we're going to flick a switch and you're going to save money on your phone bill. I mean, you guys do some pretty intense uh, work behind the scenes before the, the cash saving starts. Let's talk about how how people engage with you. Yeah, so uh, what really sets us apart from the other people who work in cost reductions is our independence. And so we're not tied to a handful of different vendors. We're not like brokers who are making a commission off of these things. You know, we get paid out of the savings and uh, we're also independent. So what that means is many times we can get our clients wholesale pricing for the services that they're already paying for. And because we're not taking a 15% commission like a broker would be doing, we can get an additional discount on top of that wholesale pricing. So I want to talk about what you guys do for schools because well, I don't know that we have a lot of school superintendents listening to making waves at sea level. I bet there's a lot of people who have kids who go to private or public schools and you guys have sort of a special thing you do for schools. Can you talk about that program? I think it's called like your E-rate program or something like that. Yep. Yeah, so E-rate is a federal subsidy program that allows for municipalities, uh, schools, uh, libraries, nonprofit educational institutions to apply for this pool of money that they have, these billions of dollars. And uh, this is money that we're all paying into. Uh, 
If you look on your phone bills, your wireless bills, your internet bills, you'll see a charge for universal service fund. It's only a few cents a month, but uh, it adds up to billions of dollars. And uh, this money sits there in a pool, not being why, why don't the schools, why don't they apply for the money? So the problem with the E-rate program is it's a 400-page application. It takes a lot of expertise. Wait a, a minute. Lot of, wait, 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 wait. How long of an application? It, it could be up to 400 pages, depending and, on who's applying for that. And this is a government program. Yeah. And the government has made it difficult? What? <laughs> I just laughed. That, I mean, it's like, here's, here's money that's sitting, that's earmarked, and they don't make it easy for schools. I mean, schools of all things to be able to get the money that they've already taken to give to schools. Yeah. And uh, the, the great part about what we do is we know how to fill out this application. We work with the government very closely on these things. And uh, even if we make a mistake, we have a bit more flexibility with the government to correct things before they just absolutely reject the application. A lot of schools that do this on their own, um, it takes a lot of time for them to figure it out. And um, there's some that have a couple of uh, full-time admins who work on this every single year. And um, for them, you know, just like I mentioned earlier with the CFOs, uh, I always recommend that they just let us handle that for them. Let those ad admins focus on other things that can benefit the school. And uh, we don't charge anything upfront to do the application process for them. And we get paid out of the savings. Uh, the subsidy program allows for up to 90% of uh, nonprofit or schools or libraries telecom expenses to be subsidized. And... Uh, there's a lot of different requirements, but uh, if you are providing services to you know, certain demographics, you know, underserved citizens, then uh, you you qualify for more money. And there are restrictions too. You have to be uh, getting less than fifty million dollars per year in endowment, and uh, you have to be spending over a certain amount as well. Mm -hmm. And uh, we we know all of their requirements, and I'm happy to talk to any schools or uh, city managers or libraries that uh, would like to apply for this money and uh, share my expertise with them and hope that I can help them as well. That, I, see, I think that's one of the most awesome things I've heard you talk about is the fact that that exists. And if they're not already applying for it, you guys do it and just take a little, you know, the bit off of that. That's awesome. Hey. Another area you guys work in is credit card processing. Now, all of us have picked up the phone who own a business or run a business and had those calls from people who are like, hey, are you still using the bank's inflated rates for your you know, credit card processing? Well, I rarely ever take a credit card. Like sometimes I have a client who has to have a credit card payment and I just suck it up and I pay like the PayPal cost because it's a one-off, right? But for people who actually do a lot of credit card processing, something I heard a long time ago is like the way the government has all their rules around this and everything else. There's like 600 different ways you can be structured. And yet that's not right for every single company. And yet oftentimes people just, they, they get a processor and they think, oh, a processor is a processor is a processor and they're not doing the best for their business. So that's another area you guys work on. 
Yeah. So when it comes to something like credit card processing, like Tom had suggested, there's over 600 different pricing structures. And because most again, the the government would never want anything to be simple. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You know, there, there are a lot of regulations when it comes to credit card processing, mostly around uh, keeping uh, the consumer's information secured. And uh, there's all kinds of data breaches. And unfortunately, that regulation, I think, is necessary because it protects people. Uh, but when it comes to these pricing structures, Uh, Most of them are designed for hospitality businesses like restaurants, hotels, because those are the types of businesses that do the majority of the credit card processing in our country. And what we do is, and as Tom suggested earlier, we are very thorough in what we do. Because we're independent, we can work with all of the credit card processing companies. We know all of their pricing structures, and we can fit every particular business with the right vendor and the right pricing structure that fits their business. And we're not going to pull something off the shelf that, that means they spend a dime more to that credit card processor than they need to. And when it comes to like the credit card processing brokers, uh, MSPs, there's also ISOs. Um, many times in credit card processing, you have three middlemen between your Uh, business and the credit card processor because there's so many people trying to take a piece of that pie we we try to cut as many of them out as we can uh, so that you can reduce your fees with them through through that means as well and uh, really what that means for the businesses that we serve we average a 28 percent cost reduction for them that could mean a very significant amount of money. Yeah, like like for me, I'm doing, you know, a, a couple of speeches a year and they have to put it on there. We're talking dozens of dollars. But if you're doing millions of dollars in credit card processing, 17%, uh, that's a lot of money. Yeah, you know, I, I'd like to share a quick story of a recent example. I just uh, finished working with a, a four-location uh, automotive repair company. And they were doing uh, close to, I'd say, $60,000 a month in uh, credit card revenue from their customers. Um, Their rates were exceptionally high, and we ended up saving them 2% on their credit card processing rates, which means this is a, a single owner business. After our fees get paid, that business owner gets to take 1% of his revenue and put it right in his pocket. And uh, he's, he was a big Corvette fanatic as well as myself. And so he committed to spending that money on getting him. He's going to buy a new Corvette. Yeah. Nice. And and he can, it, it meant a good $70,000 per year back in his pocket. So that's why I wanted to have you on the show. We're not talking just little bits of money. We're talking for companies and, and, Owners, if they're they're single owner companies, we're talking legitimate money that makes a that makes a dent a dent on people's lifestyles. So, Lance, I have a couple of more questions for you, but first, I have to thank the sponsor of this episode. So, this episode is brought to you by Podfly Productions. Podfly they take the time and the headache out of creating your own podcast. They set you up with the right equipment, training, and guidance to ensure that you sound amazing. 
Podfly does all the heavy lifting and that pesky technical work so that you can focus on creating great content, growing your audience, and interviewing really cool people like Lance Spracklin. Hey, if you want to start a podcast, and I know, I know that some of you do, jump over to podfly.net slash cool things and check out the offer that they have for the listeners of this show. So Lance, we talked earlier that I said, why wouldn't everybody do this? I mean, I think one of the hardest things is people are busy. The second thing is when people hear, oh, he's going to look at my books and save me money. They think it's some sort of a of a scam or it's too good to be true. What advice do you have for CFOs out there or, or business owners who hear this, who might be skeptical? I would say just, you know, take a close look at your time and, um, get a good understanding of really what we require, which is really not much from CFOs. You know, that's one of our biggest offering is we save them time and, um, it does cost them a little bit of time up front to work with us in the beginning, but uh, over the, the three years that, that we work with them, we audit their bills, they save a ton of time, not just because we're auditing those bills and those four expense areas, but also we become the single point of contact for the service providers. And so a lot of times a small business may not have access to an account executive. I'll take AT&T as that example again. And, uh, you know, they have to call an 800 number, sit on hold for an hour, get transferred to the wrong person, sit on hold for another hour and go through a mix of things every time they need either to add or remove a line or maybe their internet went out. They need to have someone come out and check it out. We work at a higher level than they do, as I described earlier, and they, our clients contact us for those needs and we take care of it immediately. We don't have to sit on hold to do those things. I, I get access to the top guys when I need to, and we're able to resolve things more quickly. So I just find what you do fascinating. And over the three plus years that you've been growing the office here in Central Texas, you've worked with a whole bunch of companies, mid-sized companies, larger companies. Uh, what's some things you've learned outside of the cost savings, but working with such a variety of types of companies? What's some of the, the things you've learned that you'd just like to share advice-wise on, on business? Uh, probably one of the most important lessons that I've learned is just delegating and outsourcing to the experts. You know, a lot of the smaller businesses that I work with, I was the first person that they trusted to outsource any part of their business to. Mm. And that's because we work on this pure profit business model where, you know, as uh, I explained earlier, if we save a business a thousand dollars a month on their expenses, they pay us half of that at the end of the month, they have $500 more than they would not have had without our, without our efforts. And uh, because it doesn't cost them anything, you know, in the end, it doesn't cost them anything. They're willing to accept my help to do that. And a lot of times um, I 
go through coaching with them and have them look at, you know, what are the other areas of their business that they either don't enjoy doing or um, they just don't have the expertise to do well. And I encourage them to uh, connect with other professionals to outsource those other areas too. So that's something that, that you're awesome at, and that is connecting people. And this is something that, you know, I've spent a lifetime teaching people how to do, but you're one of those people who, you know, I don't mean this in a bad way, but you're kind of an unassuming guy. You wouldn't look at you and think, oh, that guy in the corner with the white hair, he's a super connector. But you are an animal when it comes to connecting people to other people, even if there's no direct any payback to you in it. So let's talk a little bit about that. I mean, you've built your career by being kind of this super connector. And like I do that, but I have like this big personality. I don't shock anybody. They're like, oh, Tom's the life of the party. He's introducing all these people and they're doing business together. Nobody goes, oh, that surprises me. But you you have an engineer personality, Lance. And, and I don't mean that as, you know, good, bad or indifferent. It's just who you are. And yet you're one of the best super connectors in the world of business I've ever run across. How'd that come about and, and why do you do it? You know, what's really funny is I started this business with Schooly Mitchell because I'm good at the analysis part. You know, I'm a Lean Six Sigma master black belt. I did this uh, business analysis yeah, and Lean for Six, 16 years. Wait a minute. Lean Six uh, Sigma masters are not like you'd say, oh, yeah, they're super networkers. That's not yeah. I'm not, you know, that, those two <laughs> things do not necessarily run together. And yet keep going. Yeah. So, you know, I started this business because I was good at that. On day one, you know, Schooly Mitchell has a great sales and marketing training program. And after I went through that, went out there and started networking with people, I fell in love with the networking side of this. And um, I don't, I don't even like doing that analysis anymore. I have people that do that for me now. And uh, I just love getting out there and telling my story and hearing other people's stories. And if I hear an opportunity to connect people, I, I do that. I know it's uh, it, it does bother a few people when I, you know, unassumingly just uh, uh, tell some stranger their business and say, Hey, you should talk to this guy about this other thing that he mentioned that he needs help with. And, uh, but uh, I just, I love talking to people and, um, I love helping people where I can. So I spend a lot of time training people on how to connect, especially in this gadget crazy world. And and introverts and engineers, you know, they think, oh, I'm, I I can just you know, likes, links, shares, and follows, and 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 not have to actually talk to people. But a lot of people who have kind of that engineering bent, once they get over the just natural trepidation about the the networking and the connecting and the talking to people. A lot of them become like you. So what advice do you have for somebody who might be a little bit more of that left brainy type person, uh, as we would say? Uh, what advice do you have for them to, to be able to network and connect with people better? Yeah, you just got to put yourself out there and, you know, go through the pain that it takes to uh, get over public speaking and uh uh, talking to strangers. Uh, I'd like to share a quick story about that. And uh, you can all understand kind of how I got to the point where I don't really uh, can't really get embarrassed when I'm talking publicly to people because I've had what I think is probably the worst possible thing that could happen to someone. 
Uh, so this is for a semiconductor company. I was out in Shanghai, China, training a room of around 600 engineers on how to use some new tools that I helped develop. And uh, I'm, I'm a very large guy. And uh, the chair that they put me in, I guess they had super glued the legs onto it. And uh, I was sitting down uh, navigating some uh, uh, laptop to uh, demo some, some tools. And uh, just suddenly the chair on the leg broke and I just fell flat on my face. And the whole room just erupted in laughter. <laughs> and ever since then, um, it has not bothered me talking publicly because I don't think it can get any worse than that. Yeah, I mean, when it comes to giving a speech, most people don't fall on their ass. So, you know, once you've done that, it can't be any worse. Yeah. Well, Lance, I, this has been a great conversation. Thank you so much for, for coming on here and, and, and sharing on Making Waves at Sea Level. If people want to know more about you, they want to know more about Schooly Mitchell, how do they find you? Uh, so you can uh, go to com forward slash L Spracklin to reach me. And uh, you can email me, lance.spracklin at schoolymitchell.com, or just give me a call. My number here is 512-354-4607. Or connect with me on LinkedIn. That's always the best way. Awesome. And you know what? He's a super nice guy, so you probably should uh, reach out and learn what with what he's up to. And uh, if he understands what you do, he'll introduce you to people. Trust me. I know that firsthand. Hey. Yeah, and really um, – when I talk with business owners, all I really want to do is see if we can help them. If we can't help them, you know, through our professional analysis, I'll still give them some tips on how they can save themselves money. So yep. I just want to help the community. Awesome. Well, again, thank you for being here. And thank you to everybody who tuned in and listened. I say it every show. If it wasn't for the audience, why would I do the podcast? So if you like it, go leave those ratings on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or you know Spotify, wherever you get your podcast love. Let people know you like the show. But more important, go tell a friend because everyone I meet who listens to the show, I say, how did you find my show? And they say, oh, my boss, my sister, my mom. Somebody told them this was a good show. So go tell a friend right now. I'll wait. Okay, thank you for going and telling a friend. Hey, we're going to be back in a couple of days with an interview with somebody just as cool as Lance. And you're thinking, Tom, how will you ever find anybody that cool? But we do it every single time. So make sure that you plan to be back here in a couple of days for the next episode. And there are almost 600 episodes in the can. So you can go backwards and listen because we have been interviewing some really cool people who are making waves. We're going to be back in a couple of days. In the meantime, get out there. Make some waves, flex those entrepreneurial muscles. Make sure that your ladder, your career ladder is against the right wall because you don't want to climb to the top and think, uh-oh, I'm in the wrong place. And while you're out there doing all that, have a great day. Thank you for listening to the Making Waves at Sea Level podcast. Without your listening to these in-depth conversations, there would be no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter and Instagram at TomSinger. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.